Let us pray. Come, Holy Spirit, and fill the hearts of your faithful who have gathered here out of love for you. And may my words and our hearts together glorify you, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Well, even if you are someone who watches more YouTube, TikTok, and Instagram than you do cable television, you cannot have missed the overwhelming number of Christmas movies that had begun to show up even before Halloween. The movies have interesting, well, no, not interesting exactly, um, maybe different, peculiar, unusual titles. For example, A Kismet Christmas, A Cozy Christmas Inn, A Christmas Cookie Catastrophe. There are Christmas movie titles based on song lyrics, such as We Wish You a Married Christmas, based on book titles, A Tale of Two Christmases, based on previously released movies, A Big Fat Family Christmas. <laughs> and a few actually draw from scripture or Christmas songs. For example, Three Wise Men and a Baby or Inventing the Christmas Prince, or Noel Next Door. This year, the Hallmark Channel had 31 new Christmas movies. The stories feature black, Latin, and Asian actors. One even featured Hanukkah. Oh, and one had a gay romance. I mean, we've got to give them credit, at least, for being inclusive, right? The movies also have something else in common. They are movies about relationships and romance, about wonder and joy, about the warmth and coziness of Christmas. And they all have happy endings. And I can't say that I blame them. I mean, after the last few years, we all need happy endings, right? The stories are good enough, I guess, and after all, the whole world is shaped by stories. But the question for us on this holy night is, what story is going to be your life-changing story? The challenge for us is our faith story itself that we often hear as a story of mystery and wonder. And of course, it is all of that. But we tend to look at it more as, on Christmas Eve, kind of warm and sparky, right? Kind of close and cozy. When really, it's a political story. Oh, you know, it's not political the way we think of politics. Left, right, blue, red, purple, Republican, Democrat, independent. It's not that kind of politics. I mean, so many people would say, Joe, 
don't do politics on Christmas Eve. <laughs> but the truth is, many Christian communities have already injected politics into Christmas. Not just by adding these issues into it, but by obscuring or ignoring the fact that the politics of Jesus' day were already there in the gospel story we hear tonight. I mean, think about it. Our story begins tonight with the words, In those days a decree went out from Emperor Augustus that all the world should be registered. And you know what that means, don't you? That all the world should be registered? It means that Rome was making a power play because if you registered everybody, then you could tax everybody. And all the people knew that. All the people of Israel and Judah knew that fact. I mean... If we don't recognize it for what it is, the people of Luke's day, the early listeners certainly did. It was for tribute to the empire, for extracting value in order to build palaces and armies. In short, for strengthening the empire. And so all went to the towns to be registered. Everyone, even the sick and infirmed, and even a pregnant woman who was expecting her baby any day. It's a striking beginning of a story that we think of as warm and cozy, a baby being born, surrounded by animals and in a cozy barn, warm. But this story begins with the tyrant's announcement, an audacious, intimidating attempt at controlling the world. And yet, our story also tells us that this is the world into which God comes. Just like our own world. This is the world into which God comes. And it reminds us that God will be born into this kind of world. It's a powerful story, but as Rachel Mann, Church of England priest, theologian, and author, in her essay on the Christmas story, <clears throat> points out, Christianity has no monopoly on powerful stories. Think about it. In our 21st post-century postmodern world, whole industries rely on story, powerful stories. Novelists, filmmakers, TV show writers, YouTubers, TikTokers hope to tell ear-catching stories. Corporations use stories to sell us stuff. Lots and lots and lots of stuff. And of course, political parties use stories to inspire, shape, and in some cases, to distort the narrative. And the challenge for us is to figure out what story has transformative meaning for our lives. What story are we going to focus on and think about 
and reflect on that has the power to change us and to change our world. Man, in her article, asks, what hope is there for Christians, for us, to speak clearly in a world where the grand religious narrative, mythic, soul-framing, and truth-shaping is treated as simply another story among all the stories. So I want to tell you a story. And in the words of Marcus J. Borg, I don't know if it all happened, but I know it's true. It is a story that changed the world and continues to do so. It is a story that sometimes includes a history of power and evil and violence and exploitation. In short, a story that is part of our own story in our world today. And it is also a story of vulnerability and grace and mercy and love and justice and courage in the face of evil and injustice. And though it begins long before the part of the story we heard read this evening, it begins, at least for the writer of the Gospel of Luke, on a hillside. It is a story in which a holy messenger of God comes to the least of the people of that day, the shepherds, the people rejected by most, shepherds who did their work at night, while the comfortable slept. It is a story of God whose love was so great it poured out of the cosmos and into the world and emptied itself into the form of a vulnerable child, into human flesh. This is the story of a God who comes into the world as a child of peasants in a know-nothing town in a backwater called Bethlehem in a country overrun by empire. It is the story of a child who grows up as a member of God's covenant people and as a teacher and healer and invites those who would listen to come into the fullness of God. The story is of an itinerant Jewish rabbi, a man, a simple man, would be called Messiah and child of God by some and troublemaker by others. One who was born a beautiful baby child on a night in Bethlehem who grew up to be rejected by not only the empire but by his own people crucified, and amazingly raised from the dead. This is the story. This is our story. Perhaps the most important story of our lives. Oh, and there, <laughs> there is the rest of the story. You see, when the angel messenger appears to the shepherds, the angel does not say, a child is born. 
the angel says to you, to you, to you, Christ is born. Huh. And, and the angel does not say, I bring glad tidings of a great joy. The angel says, I bring glad tidings to you. To you, to you. I bring glad tidings to you of a great joy. Now, lest you think this is all about you. Well, it is all about you. It is all about you and me. But lest you think it's only about you and me, let's be clear that this joy is not to remain in Christ but shall be, as the messenger says, for all the people. All the people. Notice, all the people. Not some of the people. Not the covenant people. All the people. And we are invited to make this birth of this child that we remember this evening, our own, that Christ would be born in us. That's the whole point. That Christ would be born in you, and you, and you. Christ would be born in us. We all get this chance. We all have an opportunity because this birth is the light of God that is in us. It is in us. We carry it in us as a mother who is pregnant carries a child. And this birthing is for the sole purpose of our transformation. Your transformation, my transformation, and all the people's transformation, and the transformation of all of creation. And just as God loves us, we are to love each other. Last Saturday evening, New Church was host to a gathering of trans non-binary people and their allies. We shared a potluck. There were youth, there were young adults, there were old people like me. <laughs> Mind you, it wasn't a religious gathering, just a gathering of people who wanted to have a safe place for trans and non-binary folks, a place for making friends and having conversation, a place for people to be welcomed for who they really are. The next day in a conversation, I was reminded about what I already knew, that many, many trans and non-binary people are very wary of church, even of just coming into a church for a non-church meeting. And who can blame them? I certainly don't. I mean, they've been at the worst of the attacks of our culture. I mean, a lot of us have been cast out of our churches, 
some because of who we love, some because of who we are, some because of the questions we ask. <laughs> We've been made to feel that we are not good enough. And our trans and non-binary siblings, well, they know that better than just about anybody. They know that pain. But I want them to know something else. Because it made me sad to think about them. I want them to know that there is a place, a church, that welcomes them exactly as they are. Because that's the kind of God we belong to and belongs to us. And I want them to know there is a place, a church, that they don't have to belong to the church. They don't have to agree with the church. They can just come and be safe here, right? I want them to know that the God we worship and the Christ we follow and the Holy Spirit who guides us is for all the people. Transforming love for all the people. And frankly, I think that our trans and non-binary siblings probably know more about transformation than most of us do. <laughs> Maybe we should just try listening to them. Father Richard Rohr says that there are actually two incarnations that happened in the world. The first incarnation was when God said a word and brought all things into being. That God made a union with creation. The second incarnation was the birth of Jesus. And that maybe we shouldn't say that God came into the world with the birth of Jesus, but rather that at his birth, Jesus entered a Christ-soaked world already pregnant with the love of God and if that is so then I want to say that you and I and all the people from the beginning of time until this moment and for all who will come after us are the third incarnation our union with God out of God's love for all and all of creation in short, you see, you and I are God's light-filled presence in this world. We get a chance to carry the Christ within us, the light within us into the world. You and me and all the people, all the people, and that's our story, and I'm sticking to it. Amen? Amen. Thanks be to God. Hallelujah.